Scripture reading is from John chapter 6. If you would please stand for the reading of Scripture, John 6. We will work through most of the passage today, but for our reading, we will read verses 1 to 15. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Jesus said, Have the people sat down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, about five thousand in number. Jesus then took the loaves, when he'd given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, Gather up the leftover fragments, that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, This is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. Perceiving then, they were about to come and take him by force to make him king. Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. May God add his rich blessing to the reading of this portion of his holy word. Will you pray with me, please? Our Father in heaven, again, we thank you for your word. We do not live by bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from out of your mouth. And so we pray that you would come and speak to us by your spirit that we would see your son high and lifted up and hear his voice and that you would feed your sheep in spite of the inability and sin of the preacher. In Jesus' name, amen. Be seated, please. Eating and drinking the flesh and blood of Jesus. This miracle before us receives the Most coverage of all the miracles Jesus worked, the feeding of the 5,000. Matthew 14, 21 says that in addition to the 5,000 men, there were uh, women and children. So we may be looking at as many as 15 or 20,000 people being fed, maybe more than that. And Jesus fed them all with five barley loaves or cakes, maybe the size of a pancake, and two small fish, size of a sardine, maybe pickled. Small boy was carrying it. Perhaps his mother had packed it for him that morning. And Jesus miraculously multiplied it, and he fed them all, and there were 12 full baskets left over. And the crowd recognized through this miraculous feeding that Jesus was the prophet who was to come, the one 
Moses had foretold in Deuteronomy chapter 18 that a prophet would come. Not only did they recognize him as a prophet, but verse 15 tells us they were about to take him by force and make him a king. So Jesus withdrew himself to a mountain alone. And that evening we see further in the passage that his disciples got in a boat and crossed the sea of Galilee. And that night Jesus walked on the water and got in the boat with his disciples. And then the next day, verses 22 to 24, we see that the the people saw that Jesus was gone and that there had only been one boat and he was not in it when the disciples left and yet he was gone and the crowd is probably beginning to suspect there's even more supernatural activity in Jesus' disappearance. And so they got in the boats and crossed the sea looking for Jesus and as they encounter Jesus and he encounters them, much like the previous chapter, the, the interaction between the people and Jesus is largely negative. Yet in that negative interaction, there are some beautiful words, some beautiful truths. They're not just beautiful truths. It matters of life and death. Verse 53, Jesus says, Truly, truly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. If we are to have eternal life, Jesus says we must eat his flesh and drink his blood. What on earth is he talking about? And why did he put it that way? Not to make light of the words of Jesus. But it would sound to someone who had no background to hear someone say this would sound like cannibalism and vampirism on the surface. And here we see Jesus obviously intending to have some shock value in his choice of words. What does he mean? Eat my flesh and drink my blood. Let's look at it together. First in this passage, you see the wrong food. Look at verse 25. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. 
for on him God the Father set his seal. These crowds are seeking Jesus. Thousands of people are coming after him, even wanting to make him king because he fed them. You remember the woman at the well, John 4, Jesus promised her living water, and she said, give me this water so I don't have to keep coming back to this well. And that's how this crowd is thinking. This man fed thousands of people on five cakes and two fish. If we make him king, he can solve our problems. And Jesus tells them, do not labor for food that perishes. The things you are concerned about are doomed to pass away. He's not telling them to quit eating or not to provide uh, food. In fact, at the very end of John, this very book, Jesus cooks breakfast for his disciples and tells them where to lower their nets to catch the fish. But he is telling this crowd, what's got you all stirred up? What you're after is not what the Father sent me to give. You look at this passage and you see the wrong food. Secondly, in this passage, you see the bread of life. Look at verse 27 again. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you, for on him God the Father set his seal. He tells them to work, to labor for food which endures. And they get confused and are concerned, more concerned with the labor than the food. And so he tells them in verse uh, 29, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. This is how you acquire the food that endures to eternal life. Believe in the one he has sent. That is Jesus himself. So, so then in verse 30 they ask for a sign. What sign do you give? And of course, our reaction, we want to say, hey, he just fed you all 15, 20, 25,000 of you on five loaves and two fish. What more sign do you want? But look at verse 31. Our fathers ate man in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Their fathers had seen this. They had seen bread. They would seen manna provided from heaven under Moses in the wilderness. That bread did not last forever. They had seen a miraculous feeding as Jesus had just provided or their ancestors had. It was in the scripture. But that bread did not last Forever. And the bread Jesus had provided the previous day, though miraculously, was regular bread, which presumably would spoil in due time. They didn't eat what was left over in the baskets. And so they're asking, what shows that you are greater than Moses and that the bread you fed us with yesterday was greater than the manna in the wilderness? 
verse 32, Jesus says, he answers, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. It wasn't Moses who fed the people. It wasn't Moses who gave the manna. It was God. And God gives the bread that gives life to the world. And you see in verse 33, he says that the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. But the crowd did not seem to catch the heat. Look at verse 34. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Again, just like the, the woman at the well, give me this water. They don't understand he's talking about himself. Then Jesus says it again, more bluntly. Look at verse 35. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus is the bread of life. Now look at verse 48. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Now at this point we see what the bread of life is. And the bread of life is Jesus Christ himself, specifically his flesh, which he will give for the life of the world. Now, the question at this point is not how do we eat the bread? How do we eat his flesh? That's what the Jews argue about in verse 52. But our point for now is what is this bread? Jesus tells us it is his very own flesh. He carries it further in verse 54. Look at it. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I'll raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. You see, it's his flesh sacrificed that is the bread of life. Drinking the blood reinforces the point that it is his death. Blood is shed. You see again, the end of verse 51, Jesus says, The bread is my flesh that I will give. He offers himself. Out of his death comes Eternal life, his flesh and blood are the source of eternal life. Now you see the wrong food, you see the bread of life. Thirdly in this passage, you see the will of the Father. Look at verse uh, 54 again. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I'll raise him up on the last day. Now, the question, what does it mean to eat? Feed on the flesh and drink the blood of Jesus. 
Now, of course, our Roman Catholic brethren would say this refers to what we would call the Lord's Supper. They uh, call it the Mass. And, uh, the elements of bread and wine the Roman Catholic Church holds are, are transformed into the body and blood of Jesus and are consumed by the uh, partaker of the elements. Now, uh, we have to disagree with that in the ARP Church, but we do so respectfully. But there's a clear parallel between uh, verse 54 and verse 40 that makes sense of what Jesus is saying. Look at verse uh, 40. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Now hold verse 40 and look at verse 54 again. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. You see, Jesus says in verse 54 that to feed on his flesh and to drink his blood is to have eternal life and be raised at the last day. Then, or previously in verse 40, he said that to believe in him is to have eternal life and be raised at the last day. So comparing verse 40 to verse 54, believing in Jesus equates to eating his flesh and drinking his blood. So to eat his flesh and drink his blood is a way of saying to believe in him. But why does Jesus say it that way? Well, why is the crowd there? Why have they gotten the boats across the sea trying to take him by force? Make him king. The food. That's why they're there. These people want to eat. They like the food Jesus provided for them. And they want more. They want it badly. And here Jesus is saying, you must want me more than you want what you want to get from me. These people, they wanted to make Jesus king because of what they could get from him, but they didn't really want him. And Jesus says, you really need me. You need to have as much desire for me as you have for the bread I can provide. That's the Father's will, that you see me and believe. Now, speaking of the Father's will, Jesus spends a lot of time on the Father's will here in John 6. 
he discusses the Father's will in people coming to him. Look at verse uh, 37. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. And look at verse uh, 39. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. Now look at verse 44. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. No one can come to me except the Father who sent me draws him. What does this have to do with anything? You remember Jesus is not meeting with a warm reception here. They want more free food, but they're not really interested in Jesus. And look look towards the end at verse 66. Excuse me. Go back to verse uh, verse 66. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. The crowds largely took offense at what Jesus said. They turned away from him. These people are leaving Jesus. So the question is, has Jesus in some way failed? He's got this crowd. He's spoken to them. They get offended and begin to leave. Has Jesus failed when the people leave him? No. All that the Father gives to Jesus do come to Jesus, and the one who comes to him, he will not cast out. Now verse 44 again speaks of ability. He says no one can come. No one has the ability to come to Jesus unless the Father draws him. Why? Simple reason. He doesn't want to. A couple chapters, we'll see why. John 8, he's a slave of sin. But, but look at verse uh, 63, John 6, 63. It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by The Father. He says, I told you that. You can't come unless the Father gives it to you to come because there are some of you who don't believe. You cannot believe unless the Father gives faith to you. But on the other side of the equation, If you have come to Jesus, it's because, it's only because the Father gave you to him, called you to him, drew you to him, granted you the faith to embrace and receive him, and Jesus says he will raise you up at the last day. And so the Father's will makes our salvation Sure and certain. Look at verse 39 again. This is the will of him who sent me. I should lose nothing of all that he's given me, but raise it up on the last day. Jesus 
will lose nothing. Not one single soul the Father gave him will Jesus lose. But he will raise it up at the last day. If you've come to Jesus by faith, you may be certain of your destiny. Why? It is the Father's will that the Son never lose you, but raise you up at the last day. So you see the wrong food, the bread of life, the will of the Father. And fourthly and finally, in this passage, you see the words of eternal life. Look at verse 66. Again, after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. After Jesus said, verse 65, no one can come to me except it's granted him by my Father, many left. They turned back and no longer walked with Jesus, and in so doing, they were only proving his point. They couldn't come to Jesus, not because he was unwilling to receive them. He is always willing to receive sinners. But because they were unwilling to believe. Now look at verse 67. So Jesus said to 12, do you want to go away as well? Anything about we've gone from 5,000 men plus women and children and now we're down to 12. And Jesus turns to 12 and says, Will you also leave? And then look at Peter's answer. Verse 68. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the word of eternal life. Where else are we going to go, Jesus. You alone have the words of eternal life. And look back at verse 63. It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. He didn't talk about his flesh, our flesh. We can't understand it. Flesh is no good. We can't come to Jesus, our own flesh, our own power. We can't believe. We need the power of the Holy Spirit whom Jesus alone gives and he gives by his word. There is no other way to have eternal life but to feed on the flesh and blood of Jesus Christ by faith through his word. Now there's an invitation. Verse 40. For this is the will of my Father that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life and I'll raise him up at the last day. To see the Son and believe in him is to have eternal life. There is eternal life for all who will eat his flesh and drink his blood by faith and that invitation goes out all over the earth. But thousands make a wretched choice and rather starve than come to Jesus. You don't have to look hard these days to find people who are turning back and following Jesus no longer. 
And maybe he's asking us, like he asked Peter, do you want to go away as well? You know why Peter did not leave Jesus? He said he would never leave. And then a few hours later, you remember he denied him. You know why Peter did not get away? Because the Father gave Peter to the Son. And it is the Father's will that the Son lose none of all he has given him. But raise him up at the last day. Will you also leave? What a question. But what an answer. To whom shall we go but thee? You and you alone have the words of eternal life. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.